Lazy Gardener Podcast. Welcome to the Lazy Gardener Podcast. Rob Foster is here. I'm Watco, and it's a bit of a special. We are talking the magical, mystical mistletoe. Yes, that's right, Ian. Hello, everybody. Yes, the magic, mystic mistletoe. We're all the red-blooded females. Head for the mistletoe. But the name mistletoe, it comes from two Anglo-Saxon words. And the words mistle, it's mist, actually mistle, which means dung, and tan, which means twig or stick. So you could translate mistletoe as poo on a stick, which pretty much describes what happens when a little while after a bird eats the berries. Not exactly romantic, is it? Not romantic at all, Rob. Yeah. What are you doing? You're spoiling the image yeah, of Christmas. Well, I'm, start, I'm, I'm going to try and build it up, but that's the actual translation of it, because these words get you know translated throughout the years. But great medical virtue was attached to mistletoe. It was called All Heal by the Druids and was used in the treatment of epilepsy, sores, toothache, and as an antidote to poison. The famous herbalist Culpepper, and he was very famous, declared it to be a cure-all for all kinds of fits if the leaves were taken for 10 days. He prescribed the berries as good for grief of sinus, itch, sores, toothache, and the bites of mad dogs and venomous beasts. But never, never, ever, ever try any of this as the berries on leaves are poisonous. It has healing properties, or well, they thought it had healing properties, but obviously it's it's uh, not that nice, well, really. Well, yeah, if you get into the technicalities on it, some you can. It's a bit like fungus. Some's good, some's bad. And it's same with mistletoe. Some berries are editable and some aren't. So just to err on the safe, on, unless you know what you're talking about, really know what you're talking about, leave them alone. It's weird, those druids yeah, thought yeah. that they were probably poisoning themselves, Maybe. Yeah, well, a lot of things come from, you know, natural healings, same as aspirin, salicylic acid, which comes from the bark of a tree, as we know. So it was used in sort of ceremonies as well, wasn't it? Yeah, because of its association with pagan cemeteries, where, as you say, it was used. It was banned from its, from its use in church decorations, because the Church of England didn't like it, because it got these pagans' associations. Magicians in older times used a mistletoe as an essential part of their magic. It possessed powers against witches and evil spirits. A piece put in a baby's cradle prevented it from being changed into an elf child by the fairies. And held in hand, it enabled a man to see ghosts and compelled them to speak. If two enemies accidentally found themselves under mistletoe at Christmas, they would shake their hands and forget their differences for a day. Just just for one day. Just, just for one day. Just That's for one it, day. Yeah. yeah. Um, so obviously, uh, mistletoe is associated with Christmas, isn't yeah. it? How, how come? Well... As I say, there must be a sprig of mistletoe at Christmas. You must have have mistletoe at Christmas. And Christmas and mistletoe are almost synonymous with each other. That is beautiful, by the way, the ringing of the bells. (laughs) Oh, yeah, get back. (laughs) Oh, sorry, it's uh, Donna and Blitzen have just burst their way into the podcast recording room. And the time-honoured custom of kissing must be observed. So there is a set pattern to this, so the couple can be blessed. However, before anyone says it has never worked for them, it is possibly because the tradition of kissing under the mistletoe is very rarely done correctly. And that is, every time someone kisses under the mistletoe, a berry should be removed. This is because there are only as many blessings as there are berries. And when the berries have gone, the kissing stops. Ah, right, OK. Yeah. So yeah. that you've got to take the berry off yeah, after right. you've had a snog. Yeah, because each one is, is a blessing. And once they have gone... 
That's it. I would make the most of those berries then, have a real good old snog, you know, French kissing business, yeah, none that, of this pecking. Yeah, you know, tongs and everything. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. It was believed that all uh, all who kissed under the mistletoe would also receive the blessings of the goddess of love. This is where it all started from. And it was largely used as a, at pagan weddings, particularly in Scandinavian countries. And that's where it all originates from, Scandinavia. Mistletoe and kissing have always been linked together. But unlike their grandparents, few modern girls now accept that not being kissed beneath a mistletoe at Christmas time condemns them to a lifelong spinsterhood, which they used to firmly believe many, many years ago. Come on then, tell us a bit more about how mistletoe grows and where we get it from, because the only place where I sort of see it in supermarkets and in flower shops and stuff like that, but where does it come from? Well, I've grown it very successfully. Mistletoe, it grows from seeds, usually deposited by the mistle thrush, which likes the berries, but the seeds have a a bitter, sticky covering, so the bird wipes them vigorously from its beak onto the tree. If they lodge into the crack in the branch, they may germinate. This is what we as gardeners try to imitate. So if you wish to try and grow your own, avoid berries that have done their seasonal duty, hanging under a light in the living room for two weeks. They will probably have dried out. They can be revived by soaking overnight in water, but picking fresh berries, pure white, not unripe, green or yellow, in late winter is likely to lead to success. Oh, good. Alternatively, you can keep some sprigs, which is the best method of doing it, keep some sprigs from the holiday season in a jar of water in the window of a cold but frost-free room until February. Right now, choose your host tree to sow your seeds, and the best one is apple. I grew them on an apple tree for 20-odd years. And they, they, they came every year, year on, year on. And remember that mistletoe is semi-parasitic. In other words, it does photosynthesize from its green leaves, but does also send roots down into the host tree. And that's where it takes its nutrients down from the tree. Does that mean that it will come back um, every year from, yes. from the tree? Yeah, it will come back year on, year on. And uh, so we call them semi-parasitic Ian, but the true description is hemiparasitic. As I say, they do provide some of the nutrients from photosynthesis, but the roots go down and take nutrients from the tree. Is it going to attack the tree, though? No. I served it for over 20 years on one apple tree, and, and that apple tree it was got lovely fruit on it year on, year on, year on, and that mistletoe come year on, year on. I think where the problem arises, if you get too many on a tree, I used to have one sprig coming out the actual trunk of the tree, but if you've got three, four, five, six in different places, that then is a different game. That can attack the tree. Is it only apple trees you can put it onto? No, there's a lot of trees. Apple trees is the best one, but you can grow them on rowans, cotoneasters, pyracanther, and old shrub roses. But I say the best one by far and above is the apple tree, but never on a pear tree, because I can't tell you why, but for some reason, they will not grow on a pear tree. Partridges go in pear trees, but unfortunately, that's, that's uh, mistletoe does not. <laughs> so um, how do you sow them then? What what branches do we put? Are we, are we having to get the stepladder out? Well, no, not necessarily. The, the ones I used to grow was well within reach, uh, so I could get, pick them every year uh, without any bother. So when sowing uh, on an apple tree, choose branches that are about 20 centimetres, or in my language, 8 inches in diameter, as these make ideal hosts. Because the bark is thin enough for the germination of the seeds to penetrate, but substantially enough to support the new plant. So when the plant starts growing, it can hold it 
firmly. In terms of both nutrients and weight, so this branch, it's no good a little thin branch because as soon as your, your mistletoe starts growing, it will collapse. Using the berry's own glue, because they are very sticky, as we've mentioned, they're very glutinous, attach them to the side or underside of the branch. It is sometimes recommended that a cut be made in the branch or that the bark be lifted to accommodate the berries. While this does bring the seeds into more immediate contact with the tree, the wound may provide a starting place for disease to become established. So it is better to leave the plants to get started naturally, as some berries may fall off the, or be eaten by birds. So apply, you must apply a couple of a dozen at a time, because it is very hit and miss. And always, when you've done this, mark the site, because you can forget where they are. So with a bit of a piece of wool or twine, tie it around the branch so you know where it is. And not much will happen until the following spring, when the first leaves should appear. So that's very positive. You don't take too long. But then you wait and you wait and you wait. It usually takes four years from sowing until berries are produced. And as male and female flowers are formed on different plants, you'll need one to carry the berries and another to provide the pollen if you want to develop a colony. But once again, remember that the berries are poisonous, so just use it for the time-honoured tradition of kissing under it at Christmas time. <laughs> oh, I love those bells. Let's have a look at those bells. They're both they're sort of like shaped like hearts, yeah. which is lovely. Oh, that's lovely. So, um, yeah, mistletoe, a bit of a, a podcast special for you. And um, four years, so that's a long time, isn't it? It is a long time, but uh, that's, a, that's a problem with gardening, uh, as I've said on, on, on my programmes here. Gardening, it will never be sexy, because you can't do these 15-minute meals like the chef does. One thing gardening does teach you and children is patience. And that's why I want to do a special about children, where we can get these quick-growing things that they can see more or less instantly, which will fire up the imagination and hopefully get them interested. Like Cress and things like that. Thank you to um, Lazy Gardener Rob Foster. If you want to find out more about Rob, you can go to this website. LazyGardener.org Yeah, and you can also find him on Twitter as well. And keep watching out um, for the special podcast that will be coming soon. The Lazy Gardener Podcast. Go well in the garden, go well in life. <laughs>